Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose, and that you can do it right through the things that God is carrying you through in your season as a single mom. Here we talk about all of the things that matter to a single mom, but most of all, I hope you found a place where you feel like you belong. Let's get started. Hey, I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly. So wonderful to have you joining me today. Today's conversation centers around how to get to know God again when you have experienced deep loss and grief and heartbreak. I'm joined in this conversation today by Trisha Lott Williford, and we are talking about her new book. It's called This Book Is For You, Loving God's Words In Your Actual Life. And what I love about this conversation is Trisha is so transparent about the fact that she did not always love God's Word. And it wasn't until the process of losing her first husband, Rob, that she started to experience God in the pages of the Bible. And she lets us in on her journey and gives us some practical tips that we can use to start to discover God in our own pain as well. As we get started, if you'd like to take notes on this episode and then later give yourself the opportunity to pray and reflect on what you've learned, I want you to have a look down in the show notes. You'll notice something called podcast pages. If you click on that link, you'll be taken to the Agape Moms website, and there you'll find free downloadable podcast journaling pages to give you the opportunity to consider further what God would have for you from this episode. Also, down in the show notes, if you are new to the podcast, you'll notice a link to a quiz. It's called What's Your Loneliness Type? Loneliness is something that all of us single moms have to deal with, but the reasons why we deal with loneliness are different, and they don't necessarily have that much to do with whether or not we're in a relationship. So if you'd like to learn more about your own experience with loneliness, what's causing it, and then some of the ways out, go ahead and click on that link or head over to agapemoms.com forward slash quiz. Whether or not you have a regular Bible reading habit, it's a totally different thing to learn what it is to experience the Bible. And that's something that Trisha dives into in this conversation. Here is my conversation with Trisha Lott Williford. Trisha, so great to have you with me today. Welcome to the podcast. I am so honored to be here. Thank you so much, Michelle. Trisha, in your new book, you talk about falling in love with God's word, but it didn't come for you without some struggle. And I think that a lot of the women listening today can relate to some of the journey that you've been on. And I'd like to know if you'd start us off by talking about your relationship to God's word and how that was intersected, though, with the loss of your first husband. Mm-hmm. Well, Michelle, I always wanted to love the Bible. Like I felt like I should. I felt like it was something that I should enjoy. It was something I should know more about. It was something that I should be able to talk more fluently about. Um, But I just wasn't. I just didn't. I just couldn't. And I felt kind of um, 
I don't know. That was like a little secret that I carried, you know, like I had grown up in the church. And so I could talk about it enough. It's kind of like going to a book club when you haven't read the book, Yeah, when you can just kind of pick up the context clues of the conversations that are happening around you. And those were things that I could do enough, but I didn't love it. I didn't love it. Um, and uh, you are, you're right. My, my first husband died. It's been a decade now since he died. He got really sick really fast. He was only sick for 12 hours and the doctors thought he had the flu, um, but he had an infection in his bloodstream that attacked his heart and his lungs. And he died the next morning. They said, he won't die from this, but he's going to feel like it. Mm-hmm. And then he died the next morning before the paramedics could get there. And it was two days before Christmas mm. and I was 31 years old and I had a five-year-old and a three-year-old and the bottom fell out of my world. It just, everything, everything, everything was wrong. Everything was so terrible and it's, it's as bad as it sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really hard for a really long time. And suddenly now I felt like, well, now what am I supposed to do? First of all, I felt like I don't even really want to read the Bible because this God that I loved and obeyed, let this happen to my family. And so I think I feel kind of the right to just like close it for a while. Mm-hmm. I don't want to read this for a while. Um, and I'll tell you what, that you, you always have the right to do that, but the right to do that can lead you down a really wrong path. Mm. And that's, I just found myself thinking, what else am I supposed to do? Even just to fill my mind. Like I couldn't, I just couldn't, I I remember thinking, I don't know what to do with my time. I don't know what to do with my hands. I don't know what to do with all these thoughts and all these questions that I have. And Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest all felt so offensively cheerful. Mm -hmm. Um, And novels and books felt so hard on my brain. I didn't know I I was, I mean, the trauma is a real thing. It's a real thing. And, and it really does rewire your brain. So I was in that place. And finally I thought, okay, I, I have to figure out how to do this. I have to figure out how to hold on. I have to figure out just really how to keep this lifeboat from sinking. And my boys, as I mentioned, were three and five. And a couple of weeks after Rob died, I, it was time for them to go back to preschool. And um, I, I took them to preschool and I took my Bible. I had two and a half hours, which was just pure gold, just pure gold for me. All the single moms who are listening right now, you know that it is, first of all, you're doing the hardest work that there is. There isn't, there isn't anything harder than parenting on your own. And when you have a nugget of time that is all yours, you want to use it wisely, right? And so I took my took my boys to pre, to preschool, and I took my Bible, and I I went to Starbucks. And Michelle, I didn't know what to do with this book because I didn't know where to start. I felt like everything in the Old Testament felt like an angry God, mm-hmm. which made me question where I was in my story right now because. Did I do something? Did I do something to make him angry that he allowed the death of my husband? He allowed my children to be fatherless. He allowed me to be widowed. Is that my fault? And I couldn't navigate that. I just couldn't navigate that. And so, but I also couldn't turn to the New Testament because that felt like this hopeful Jesus who was walking around giving people what they had asked for if their faith was strong enough. And that felt also 
a little bit not great because what am I supposed to do with that? I Then is it my fault? Is my faith not strong enough? And have I gotten us into this place of being widowed and fatherless and facing our lives this way? So I opened sort of to the middle to the book of Psalms and I just started copying. I just started copying. I started copying the first Psalm into my journal and I just started writing it in part because I didn't know how to talk to this God who that sovereignty card was a hard one for me to hold. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to talk to him right then. And so I borrowed the words of the psalmists and their songs and their poems until I could begin to find my words again. And Michelle, here's what I discovered is that all every emotion is covered in the book of Psalms. Every emotion is addressed and they're not all great. Mm-hmm, right. They're not all awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and every, you know, every emotion is is addressed. And I know from writing books that there, there's, I mean, even just for my books, there's an extreme editing process that you have to go through. So the canonization of the Bible was, you know, exponentially more than that. And yet Psalm 88 got to make the cut, which is an entirely words of despair. I there is no there is no, but I will praise the name of the Lord, but amen, he, hallelujah, the sun will rise. There's no there's no hope in that one. It's just pure lament. It is pure, um, just sadness, darkness. He says things like, um, my tears are flooding my bed. I am, my, my bones ache within me. And he's just talking about his broken heart. And I discovered in reading that and many others, that my emotions were okay before this sovereign God. I just discovered and believed anew, believed maybe for the first time, that if if I am to believe that he made me, then nothing that's happening inside my mind is a surprise to him. And maybe the beginning of this path of finding my way back to trust him, maybe the beginning is learning to just be honest with him. And I can borrow the words from from the psalmists and the songwriters and the poets and those writers borrow their words until I can find my own. And that really did just change everything for me. Those two and a half hours that while well, my boys were in preschool just became a lifeline. That was church for me because I couldn't go to church. It was too overwhelming. And maybe some of your listeners have experienced that where it just feels like, especially I just, there was so much love happening there that sometimes I felt like I was drowning and I just couldn't find, I couldn't stand up. It was just wave after wave after wave crashing over me. And I, it was even good emotions or hard emotions. They can be exhausting. And um, so I just couldn't do that. I couldn't do that space in that season of my life. And so Starbucks became my sanctuary and I met God, found him again, and certainly found the lifeline of his word and discovered that this book was actually for me um, in that corner table at Starbucks. I love what you're pointing to here about the variety of our relationship with the Lord, because I think sometimes we feel that to be good Christians, quote unquote, we're going to use the air quotes there, but to be good Christians, that we have to have a routine that looks the same every day, every season, every month, every year. So that way we can lead our kids to have the same rituals Mm. day after day after day. And what I found in my most broken seasons was like, 
I was, I could not do those things. Ritual and routine just felt so heavy. It yeah. felt absolutely draining. Mm-hmm. And then I felt like if I was coming to the table, it was like, I'm just checking off the box just so I can yeah. feel like I got it done, but I'm not getting filled up here. Mm-hmm. And I think we're called to such a variety of experiences with the Lord. It's just like any other relationship we'd have with a person. With no other person would we day after day after day after day do the exact same thing to express our care for that person or to grow in relationship with that person. We would do different things. You know, if it's Mm -hmm. a dating relationship, for example, you'd go on different kinds of dates or you would, you know, one day it might be just a conversation at a coffee shop. Another day it might just be like a total adventure, like, I don't know, hiking, you know, something like that. But like, but this sense of variety, I think is something that God wants us to explore. And sometimes grief and difficult situations open the door to that variety. But I think the first thing is peeling off that shame maybe about what I haven't done in the past or what this should look like and just allowing God to meet us where we're at. So what I want to ask you about though, Trisha, I want to go backwards into this, this journey a little bit and find out more about what, what was that space like for you in the sense of what were some of the foundational beliefs that you had about the Bible or yourself or faith that were shaken up in this period of time? Mm-hmm. Such a great question. Um, I had thought that the life that I had was a direct, had a direct correlation to the fact that I had been obedient to God. I mentioned I was raised in the church. I was in the youth group. I went on missions trips. I worked at summer camps. I, you know, tithed 10% of my waitressing dollars in college and, I followed the rules. I'm I'm a fairly compliant person. And so I, if if there's an expectation just lay it out for me. Be clear and I'm going to really try to please you. I'm going to really try to please you. And um I really tried to please God by following all the rules and checking off all the boxes and doing all the things. And so I thought um this life with the job that I wanted and the children I had prayed for and the husband that I had longed for and asked God for and just this, this you know, suburban house and the minivan and the 2.5 kids, you know, like just all of those things. I just felt like, well, of course, I mean... Of course, it's God says that that He will that He blesses our obedience, and so obviously that's what this is. Um, and that is just riddled with pride and confusion and really bad theology. And so when the bottom fell out, um, I thought, well, now what do I do? If A plus B does not equal C, then why do A and B even matter? anymore. Like, why do I even have to follow any of these rules if if God isn't going to uphold his end of the deal? And um, it reminded me of times when, uh, like when my boys were little, they're 15 and 14 now, but they were little. There was a time when they were, they were small and Legos were a really big deal at our house. 
Um, and I, I actually heard someone say one time that they believe that uh, the floor of hell is paved with Legos because <laughs> they, you I have to that. walk around barefoot and step on them in the middle of the night. <laughs> so Legos were a really big deal. And my my boys love to build a rocket ship or a tower or a building or, a you know, a, an, an airplane or a jet or something. They, they would build something, a tower really tall. And I could look at it and see, oh my gosh, our dog is going to walk by and wag her tail. And that is going to just fall down. They they need a stronger foundation. So I'd say, honey, what if you just start? I love what you've made first. I love what you've made. This is so creative and beautiful and colorful. And wow, this is this is not bad. What you have made is not a bad thing. But what if you were to add some structure to it? What if you were to build a stronger foundation? We might and we might have to take this part off so that you can build more underneath it to hold it up. So let's just take it off for a little while. And they would they would say, "Mommy, don't touch it. Mommy, don't touch it. Don't come near it." Because it was something they had created. They were proud of it. They were in on it. They were invested in it. Um, there was even maybe a little bit of a four year old identity attached to it. Um, and when I came in saying, listen, what you've made is not a bad thing. It's just maybe we could just just rebuild it together. Um, they were not interested. And what I felt in retrospect, when I look back on that, of realizing my formula was wrong, my theology was off, um, I, I didn't understand the grace of God. I thought I had earned the life that I had created. And just with enough careful planning, and with enough checklists and with enough spreadsheets and with enough prayer and enough faithfulness, I believed I could earn God's favor. And I feel like God whispered to me in that, okay, what you have is not bad. It is not bad. It is not ugly. It is not necessarily wrong, but it's shaky. It's shaky. What if, Trisha, what if we could just take this part away for a little while so that you and I can build something with a much stronger foundation? And what I discovered is that when we put God in a box and then when the box falls apart, we discover that he was bigger and stronger than the box all along. Mm-hmm. We discover that that our formulas were never about a favor at all. I love when Paul talks to the church in the book of Acts and he says, I want you to understand who this Jesus is and that the love of Jesus and the faith in Jesus is more than anything else could ever offer you. All the laws that you have followed, everything you've been trying to be good at could never fulfill what he can give to you. And it said, and then he says, uh, rely on the grace of God, rely on the grace of God. I mean, that was just transformational to me to realize that the grace of God is an actual thing, that it's bigger, stronger, deeper, more foundational, and really can stand the test of time. It can stand my questions and yours. It can mm-hmm. stand generations of people who are trying to shoot holes in it. There's grace. There's grace in this. And that it's not formula. There isn't, there isn't, uh, favor is not a formula. Mm-hmm. And, um, but faithfulness is foundation. That, and sometimes, sometimes it's just really not, like you said, we have to just keep checking our, checking off our checklist and working our way through. And, um, I just really feel like actually, like if we look at Abraham and how faithful he was throughout his story, sometimes he was just hanging on. He was not perfect in his faith. He lied. He, he told stories. He laughed at the wrong times. He, he just did not, he didn't have it together. 
but God honoring the fact that he, he held on. And sometimes that's all we can do Mm. is to just hold on and don't quit. Just hold on and don't quit. So good. That's so good. And Trisha, I love how much freedom is built into what you're saying here, because we could come at this from one of two angles. We could come at this from the side, like you're saying, as far as I lived my life, I did all the right things. I didn't get into trouble. I didn't drink too much. I, you know, I mm-hmm. lived life the way I was supposed to didn't party or, you know, those things. And my life was supposed to turn out right. And yeah. it didn't. But there's also the side of it that is, I didn't do that. I did mess up. I did go off on the wrong path. I did behave in ways that were disobedient. And it's easy for us in that seat to go, this is my fault. This yeah. is, why would God want anything to do with me? Mm-hmm. And grace covers all of that though. Grace covers the, I have to perform by saying, no, you don't daughter. But it also mm-hmm. says you didn't have to perform either to earn my love. Just because you've made whatever mistakes you've made does not mean you're outside of my love and my favor. Yeah. And grace just swoops like in and covers over this whole thing so that no matter where you find yourself, and you might even find yourself in the middle of both, there's so much shame that actually can come with overperforming mm-hmm. and not getting it all perfect. But in the midst of this, God wants us to know his heart is so much greater than our circumstances and that he would show us in these difficult times where our foundation in him is shaky. I love that word picture, just understanding this place where it is shaky and saying, but you don't have to stay this way. Mm -hmm. Let's keep going. Yes, this thing shook you up, but let's keep going. Yeah, let's keep going. And I was thinking recently about the verse that says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I'm not sure what I always thought that it meant. I think it meant that I could be strong because the Lord is joyful, or I could be joyful because the Lord is strong. Um, that whatever I, whatever is in front of me, I can do this because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And actually, you know what I discovered recently? I don't think that that is untrue. I don't think that is untrue. I just think that there's also another facet to that, those same words. That actually, I just felt God whispering to me earlier this week, Trisha, I delight in you. Mm. It takes so much joy in you and who you are and what I have made and what we are doing in this life that we have together. And that is enough. Let that be your strength. Mm. You don't have to chase after anything else. You don't have to perform. You don't have to, you don't have to create. You don't have to produce. You don't, all I am asking you to do is to be faithful and to make my name known. Mm. That is what I'm asking you to do. And I take great joy when you do that. And so let that be your strength. You don't have to chase down all the other things. All I want is your thankfulness and your faithfulness. That's mm-hmm. all he's asking for. Mm-hmm. And that is that makes me feel like, oh, well, I can do that. I can do that. And, mm-hmm. and, and when I feel like, oh, I can do that, that is strength. That is strength. And so to realize that he takes such delight and such joy simply in who we are is very strengthening. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in that case, all we're needing to do really is receive that. Yeah. And that's really what it's always been about whether we've chased the right things or the wrong things, we're mm-hmm. chasing something that we already have the ability to receive. It's already, his love is already accessible to us to fill us to the brim. 
And so if we could just pause from all of our chasing and sit under that, and that's really what this journey then into the word that you've talked about as far as diving into the Psalms, it's learning to receive, Mm -hmm. but it's also knowing that you are received. And I think that's the thing I also found in the Psalms. And that's one of the things I love about your journey because it parallels mine in some ways. God showed me through the Psalms, every range of emotion, as you said, can come before his feet. He already knows it. He already knows what's in my heart. He knows when I'm mad. He knows when I'm disappointed. He knows when I don't trust him. He knows all of it. He wants me to know it. Mm. He wants me to know in the knowing it that he receives me anyway, and that I can receive his love even in the midst of not trusting him. There's no amount of performing that I have to get to in order to feel like I can be presentable before God. Mm. I'd like to take a short break from our conversation to mention our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available on the go, and it works through an app where you are able to schedule video sessions or just chat with your counselor throughout the course of the week. And I found that having the combination of Christian teaching and counseling together was so encouraging and so healing for me. If you have been considering Christian counseling and you would like to give Faithful Counseling a try, you can get 10% off of your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash single mom. So as far as though, I want to know more about this journey through the Psalms. So when you're talking about, you know, just holding on and all that kind of thing, I think we always assume in listening to these stories that it was like, okay, so Trisha got into the Psalms and then every single day she was in the Psalms and it was perfect and happily ever after. Amen. Mm. (laughs) May that not be the confusion that we give to anyone today because that was not the case. You are correct. So share some of that though, some of those ups and downs maybe that you had in starting to fall in love with God's word. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, there were times, um, and still are, there are times when I will open it and think, oh, I don't have it today. I don't have it today. And, and when that is the case, sometimes it, it is good to stay faithful to the course. Sometimes it is good to say, this is what I do every day. Even if, mm-hmm. even if I don't feel it, um, I, even if I'm waiting for answers and I'm still not feeling them. Even if it feels like this is one-sided, even if it feels like my prayers are not getting out of this bedroom, I'm going to show up anyway. And to continue copying those Psalms um, gave me kind of script of what to say when I didn't know what to say. Mm. Um, And it gave me structure when I felt like I had so little um, that I could just show up. I could simply show up. And, and sometimes a psalm was just so filled with information that I just wanted to just stop and absorb the whole thing. And sometimes um, I had to read quite a few pages before something jumped out at me, but I just was consistent and I kept showing up, believing that something, God will give me something in this time with him. He will give me something in this time with him. I'm going to stay with it until he does. And sometimes I just, sometimes, like I said, it was one, then the very next verse. Wow. Okay. All right. That's what I needed today. And other times it was like, I'm, nope, I just don't, mm-hmm. I just don't, it's not, that's not there. It's not resonating. Um, but to stay with it and to even say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to come back tomorrow. I'm going to continue to stay with this mm-hmm. because we can believe that it, I mean, it's all written 
it's all written for the goodness of us. It's written to make us better, to make us stronger. Um, and so even if, you know, sometimes you got to get through a little backstory to get through the gold nugget, to get to the gold, the gold nugget that's waiting for you. So, yeah, I think that what I would say is absolutely there were some dry times some very dry times and there still are, but I continue to pray through that and believe that God is in this, that he is for me, that this book is for me, that this is a path to meet him here. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, to just keep after it, just keep after it. Just don't quit. Just don't quit. It doesn't have to look pretty. Sometimes survival just looks like McDonald's for dinner again. Yep. <laughs> yes, it does. Right? <laughs> yes, it does. Especially if that means I get some quiet time. Yeah. Because I need it so that I can be a better mom. It's okay if we cannot it's do okay. all the things. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Exactly. So, Trisha, as you were digging through the Psalms, how did you figure out what to read? Or even as you were done with the Psalms, you know, as you were just continuing on this journey, what did that look like for you? Mm-hmm. So uh, for me, I felt like um, I really buried myself in the Psalms. I really just let that swallow me. I really just sank down deep into those words. Um, but you know what? I also read the book of John. Mm-hmm. I read the book of John. Um, and I loved the book of John because I love the Jesus in those pages. And I love the I love the knowledge that God is Jesus and Jesus is God, that God is the one who made us. Jesus is the one who walked among us. And the Holy Spirit is the one who lives within us. And they are all, they are all, I mean, I just think that God must laugh when we talk about how to explain the Trinity, you know, because it's it's something that boggles the mind. It's just mm-hmm. something that cannot be explained because we don't have any other comparison for it. Right. But in my desire to know God and to connect him to this Holy Spirit that is secretly my favorite of the Trinity, because it's the voice that I know. It's the one that lives within me that says, here's what I want you to do now. Here's how we're going to get through this. Mm -hmm. I am here with you. He's the comforter. He's the one that Jesus left behind when he left. He said, this is the one who's going to stay with you. And so the Holy Spirit is with us all the time. And it's a voice we can learn to listen to. And so in an effort to get to know God, and to keep my trust in him or find my trust or want to trust him. I mean, sometimes let's be honest, that's that's the first step. Listen, I don't mm-hmm. trust you, mm-hmm. um, but I want to. Mm-hmm. I want to trust you. Can you help me do this? I dove into the book of John um, and I found just the love of Jesus, just the compassion of Jesus that when I wasn't sure what to do with my life or with the person in front of me or with the decision I needed to make, I genuinely could look at the fact that Jesus called me to love him and to love others. And he practiced that and he showed that. And what it came down to is what it always comes down to is the most loving thing that I can do for the person in front of me in a language that they understand, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a language that they that they understand. And that's how I, I I just dove into the book of John. Um, I love that he called himself the one that Jesus loves. Um, I just think that there's a very sweet arrogance to that. <laughs> <laughs> Should we not all call ourselves that though? Right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I just think how beautiful, how beautiful the intimacy between such good friends that he was like, I am the one. 
Well, and that's what it reveals is that intimacy, that connection that they had, that he knew that he knew that he knew that he was loved by Jesus. Mm -hmm. I love it. That is what we all should feel and know. Mm -hmm. And John teaches us that and shows the love of Jesus um, in, in his, in his gospel. And so that's where I went after that. And uh, yeah, I feel like I, then I studied the book of James um, because I have a love-hate relationship with the book of James, Michelle. I love it because it is so clear Mm -hmm. and there's nothing that I can miss. Like I can't get it wrong, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But I hate it because it's so clear that there's nothing I can miss and there's nothing (laughs) that I can get wrong. Like there's no excuses in the book of James. It's just clarity. It's just nuts and bolts, boots on the ground. This is what it looks like. You know what I think is fantastic, though, about even just this sequence that you've described is just the healing journey that comes through it and the maturity that we get, because God knows that in a trauma or a trial or a loss or whatever it is that we're dealing with, that we're afraid. We're afraid of what we're going to find out about him or ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the Psalms is that place where he opens the door for all of our emotions, right? And then... In John, where you get to see who God really is as he walked among us in Jesus Mm. and how love looks lived out in a way that we would want to be on the receiving end of. But then in James, it's that step saying, okay, now you know that I love you. And now you see what it looks like lived out as me loving you. Now this is how you go love other people. <laughs> that's a little bit harder. <laughs> Man, I've never drawn that that linear connection before, <laughs> but you're exactly right. That's well, so true. The reason I draw this together though, is I look at my journey spiritually, but also my journey through the word as somewhat of a scavenger hunt. And so where I used to have this very routine, like do A, do B, do C, you know, or we think of the Bible as like a book. So we're like, okay, we'll start at the beginning and then read to the end or, you know, however Mm -hmm. we approach the Bible. Um, There are so many cues, I think though, in our daily lives where God would point us to things that we could learn about through scripture. So for example, it's even something as simple as going through Instagram, you know, and I'll see a verse that's really powerful. And I'm like, I want to know more about the context of that verse. What comes before it? What comes after it? Who's talking? Why? You know, just Mm -hmm. to, to get a full sense and not just get these like sweet little you know, sound bites, the kind of thing that mm-hmm. you like put on your wall in your house, in your kitchen, you know, and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But like what, what, there's so much more power if we understand the full context of oh, where yeah. these things come from. But then also sometimes it can be me saying, and this has happened so many times, me saying, Lord, I don't even know what to read and literally flipping open and reading whatever it is that's in front of me. And I cannot tell you how many times or that I've said, Lord, what should I read? And it's like, Psalm 22, <laughs> you know, like just kind of like comes up in my heart. It's not audible like that, but mm-hmm. you know, comes up in my heart that the Holy Spirit can lead us in all different kinds of ways, whether it's these context clues or in things that we might feel stirred in our heart. And if we just mm-hmm. follow those leanings so often, there will be some kind of nugget. Other times I'll do that though. And it's like, hmm, that didn't really make any sense today, but right. it for another day. It might. And I love how certainly the Holy Spirit, you're absolutely right. He can speak into those moments. And also, I don't know if you've had a situation where I have, I know I have, when I've flipped open to a book and thought, um, let my finger fall and see what the answer is. And all of a sudden it is something about um, a man should not trim his beard. 
And I think, um, okay, so the answer is no, then to whatever question it is, you know, and I find myself reading into it and thinking, crystal ball, (laughs) it's not a crystal ball. It's not a crystal ball. And there is so much pressure. Um, when there, I'll tell you what, for a lot of years, that's what kept me from reading the Bible at all Mm -hmm. was because I felt like, well, where do I even begin? It's the Bible. Mm -hmm. It's the Bible. Where do you even start? And if you have, if any of your listeners right now are feeling that very thing of feeling like, gosh, I don't even know where to begin. Um, we can, sometimes that is a faithful practice where we can just say, I'm going to open and see, but too often, I don't know about you, Michelle, I get in my own way mm-hmm. in that space and I can misconstrue or twist it because I want to make it whatever I want it to be. Yep. Yeah. And so um, what I what I would recommend to your readers, if they're trying to figure out where to begin, is to choose one book, be it the book of Psalms, be it the book of John. Um, if you're starting with at the very beginning and you're, you're not sure where to begin, I would say start with the book of John. The Jesus in those pages he is the real deal. Mm. He is the real deal. Start with the book of John, then the book of James. You, But I don't recommend starting at the beginning and working your way through because there is so much that is heavy and ancient and hard to understand and hard to apply in that first third of the book. It's a beautiful story and it's so important and it's absolute. I believe it's absolute truth. Um but it is harder to apply to our mm-hmm. everyday lives. And so that's what that's what I have found is to choose one book, to read the voice of that book, whether the author is Paul or Peter or uh, James or or Luke, and 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 dive right into that and learn so much about who is this person who wrote this? When did they write it? And dive into that book and learn it from beginning to end. Because as you said, just as the Holy Spirit has the power to intercept our day and intersect with our moments and say, uh, Psalm 22 is what I want you to read. (laughs) Um, He's also able to, and powerful to um, speak to us in the book of Ephesians, because here's the truth that he wants us to have this Mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I love that. I completely agree with you. It's like a scavenger hunt. um, And it's, he is able to place the answer in front of us mm-hmm. when we are committed to studying it. I completely agree with you. And I think the thing that keeps us out of that crystal ball mentality is if when we are reading scripture, we're always seeking to learn more about God and God's mm-hmm. heart and who he is and how he loves us rather than looking at this of what does it say about me? What does it say about my circumstance? What does it say about my kids? What does it say about this issue with my finances? Like whatever it might be. And you might, you might actually get an answer to both, but you will get the ultimate answer. If, even if you are just flipping it open to discovering, opening yourself to discovering who God is in the midst Mm -hmm. of that. Now in your book, you mentioned a fantastic exercise. And you sort of alluded to it with the Psalms about copying them, but you also talk about personalizing them. And I think this is so important because in those times and seasons where you don't have words, you don't know what to pray, you don't know what to ask, you don't even know if what you think in your heart is really okay to say to God, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that in this exercise of personalizing the Psalms, that you have the ability to start to explore some of that language. So would you Fill us in a little more on that practice. Yes. So I, I, I call it the practice of the modern day psalmist, that sometimes we forget that these are actually real people, real people who wrote these things down. Um, and so we are capable. We are real people who write things down. And so how can I take these words 
and as I'm copying them, make them my own so that it becomes a prayer that I am praying. And it becomes something that can also be not just copied, not just borrowed, but personalized to be my own. And Michelle, one of the most powerful ways that I found that to be true was it with Psalm 136. Um, Psalm 136 is this beautiful timeline of the history of the people of our faith. And um, it talks about all many of the miracles that God did. And, but also it wasn't all sunshine and daisies. So it's also some really difficult things that God did. And it's kind of one sentence at a time and then another, and then another, but each one is followed with his love endures forever. His love endures forever. And that the psalmist wrote about how um, Jesus, or about how God delivered the Israelites, his love endures forever and swept the, swept them into, swept, you know, the um, Egyptians into the sea, his love endures forever. And we were hungry and he fed us, his love endures forever. And we were thirsty and he gave us something to drink. His love endures forever. He, we cried out to him and he heard us, his love endures forever. And that refrain, that repetition of his love endures forever. Even just, here's what I did. Um, I looked, I created a timeline of my own life and the headlines from the beginning, from when I was born in July um, and to then my brother was born. And then I, I had many teachers and most of them liked me and one of them did not. And to be able to really um, write down the timelines of my life, the, 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 the headlines that had happened, I was born and his love endures forever. Even if that phrase doesn't work for you, change it. He has always loved me. Mm. Mm. Um, then my brother was born and God has always loved me. And I had, I went to school and I had a lot of teachers, some who loved me, one who didn't, but God has always loved me. And to write through that, to write through um, meeting my first husband and the birth of two of our children, the miscarriages of two of our children, but God has always loved me. And then Rob died, but God has always loved me. And then it was winter for two years in my soul but God has always loved me. And to be able to look at that timeline and to borrow the words of the psalmist to say his love endures forever. His unfailing love is the foundation of my life, but God has always loved me. Through those highs and lows, it gives a, an entirely different perspective of that entire story mm -hmm. to be able to step back and say, yes, that happened but God has always loved me. Mm -hmm. And the truth that was born out of that practice was to be able to say, I don't know what's coming next on the timeline, but the thing that is consistent is God has always loved me. His love endures forever. And that is taking the book of Psalms with both hands and making it yours, owning it, owning it and letting mm -hmm. it become the foundation of your, of your soul. That's so beautiful, I think, as well, because we hear things like the Lord is unchanging, and we don't realize how important that is to understand in a world and in a life that is constantly changing. Mm -hmm. Our lives are constantly changing, and sometimes they change for the better, and sometimes it throws us into absolute chaos. That's right. And so when we can look at it that way, it's such a very, very visual way to see 
this timeline of your life intersected always with God's love running through the whole thing that even though with ups and downs, this thing though, this love of this God who loves me never changed. It just makes whatever wave you're in right now, just so much less powerful, I feel like over you. And then as you start to get into the clearing, it gives you this sense of like, okay, well, we made it through that. And there might be some things that come in the future, but God was there before. He's going to be there again. And I don't need to have anxiety about the future because this is that common thread that runs through the whole journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That every season that we're in, good or bad, mm-hmm. is temporary. Yes. But to know that that permanent, as you said, that permanent thread is woven throughout all of it. His love endures forever. It really does just allow us to say, okay, then how will I see his love now? Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important to realize though, one of the graces about our lives being so changeable is the fact that these things are temporary. Yeah. And while we'd love to hang on to those happy moments, maybe a little bit longer, it also does mean though that the trials and the challenges do end. It does change again. That's right. Such a good way of looking at it. Trisha, in your season as a single mom, how did you live in the tension between knowing this God, though, knowing this God who can do anything and this God who you're starting to discover this passionate love with and for, um, but then also the opposite side of this, that though he can do anything, he might not. Mm, I feel like that is the greatest tension of all. That is the greatest question of knowing that he can, but he might not. And I loved the story of um, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. And when King Nebuchadnezzar said he was going to put them into the furnace because they would not bow to him. And Daniel and his pals, they stand before him and say, we are not going to bow to you. Our God will rescue us. Our God will save us from these flames. But even if he doesn't, we, we believe he is good. We will be faithful to him. We will not bow to you. Um, And that to me right there is the tension of both because I have, it's where you can live in the tension of both. When people say um, your faith, you know, you, you, you have to, you just have to believe, you just have to believe that God can give this to you and then he will. Well, that's putting way too much power in my hands actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But will I still choose to believe that he is good, even if he does not give me what I'm asking for? Um, That to me is the sovereignty right there. Believing that he can, but I will still love him if he doesn't. That is, I will, and, and even it doesn't have to feel when we say I will still love him, it doesn't have to feel like sunshine and daisies. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to feel like an like an overwhelming infatuation with this God who let this happen. It doesn't have to be that. Mm-hmm. But to step back and say, God, I this is a rough blow. This is the hardest thing I've ever seen. I'm not sure I'm going to survive this. And I really don't feel like I trust you, but I want to. And I believe that you can carry us through this. But even if you don't, I believe that you are good. I will choose to believe that you are in this when I can't see you. I will choose to believe that you are still a good God, even if I cannot see the good in your hand. Mm. Um, that is that that those promises, those that tension is um, important to say on the sunny days so that we can remember it on the rainy days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because sometimes I have to remind myself, I will trust in the God that I saw when the sun shined last time. That's what I'm going to hold on to. I will trust. I will trust in that memory, in the fact that God is good. His love endures forever and the sun will shine again. But even if it doesn't, Mm. his love endures forever. That's so good. And I, I see this in so many things that we might be waiting on God for, or we might be asking him for. So whether it's a housing situation, whether it's a job, whether it's a new relationship, there's always something we may feel that we are just begging God to bring into the picture to make things work, or to make things mm-hmm. easier, to make life good, you know, something that just would shift the tide for us. And something that God is so gentle to remind me of all the time that's in this vein is he is the giver of good gifts. And even in the thing he might not give, there's a good, there's a goodness Mm -hmm. that's in Mm -hmm. it. So it's always understanding it's either this or better, but that doesn't always mean better in the sense of like, oh, well, you wanted, you know, the the base package and I'm going to give you the deluxe. It's not always what it means in the sense of what that outcome is, but what it means for our relationship with him, what it means for the things that he would do in our lives. That's what these guys were saying. They were saying, we believe that God can give us the base package. He can keep us from dying in the fire, right? Mm -hmm. But even Mm -hmm. if he doesn't, even if we end up getting burnt up in this, there is a purpose and something bigger and greater at hand that we know God is in and it's good. Mm. And so it's trusting in the midst though. It's learning to trust that what I think is good is not actually necessarily good. It may not really be good, but sometimes we don't know that until we've got way more context on this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Years down the road when we don't get something that we're like, oh, well, it was because of this. And you know, we may never really ever see it in our lives, but if we can go back to some of these stories and go back to the stories that we have either of our own or other people around us where maybe things didn't work out, quote unquote, work out, but they showed themselves, should the outcome showed itself in the future. Mm-hmm. God is, is so big that we don't need to get fixed on particular outcomes when it comes yeah. to whether or not he's good. And sometimes the only good that comes out of it um, is the intimacy with him, mm. is learning that he stayed faithful, mm. learning that his intimacy is a real thing that meets us in our darkest hour. Where um, people mean well when they say things like, "Well, God won't give you more than you can handle." Mm-hmm. Well, there, you know, there's he won't let it happen. He he won't bring you to it if he won't bring you through it. And um, or everything happens for a reason. I mean, just these these cliches that that we so love to hold on to because it fills the silence in awkward days mm-hmm. um, and in awkward conversations. Um, I Here's how I feel about that. I could not ever come to terms with God thinking it was a good thing to let my husband die, mm-hmm. but he could draw beauty from the ashes. Mm-hmm. He could let there be something beautiful that would come out of it that he could turn this into something that would be really good. And that allowed me the freedom to not have to fit it into this mold of, well, let me just make sure that I feel like this was a good thing. Hmm. I don't, I don't have to feel like it was a good thing. That, that takes us right back full circle to Psalm 88. I don't have to say, well, he meant it for good. No, he can create something good. Hmm. 
because he is a creator who creates good things and gives good and perfect gifts. Um, but we do live for as long as this earth survives. Um, we live in a broken place and it, it brings us broken things. And uh, it's not what God wanted. It's not what he wanted. This isn't how he intended for us to live. Mm-hmm. Um, so when bad things happen, we don't have to say, well, this is what God wanted. This is because it isn't. He grieves with us. He cries with us. When Lazarus died, mm-hmm. Jesus arrived on the scene and wept. Even knowing how the story ends, he still was sad because he can, he can create good things out of the worst things. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean he lets the worst things happen so that he can show off. Yeah. Yeah. It means that he can create something good mm. out of something that is so bad. So, so powerful, Trisha. Trisha, I have just loved getting to chat with you. And I'm sad that we're getting to the end of the conversation here. <laughs> uh, but at the end of every conversation, I ask each guest the same question. And it is, if there was just one thing that you would want a single mom to know, what would it be? Oh, good job, mama. Good job. Good job. I would want her to know that she's doing a good job. And if you're worried about doing a good job, then you're doing a good job. Mm. That's what, that's what I would say. Mm. That's what I would say. And take a nap, take a nap. I'll take you up on that. (laughs) (laughs) Trisha, tell listeners about your book and your resources and how they can follow along with you. Sure. My name is Trisha Lott Williford. And if you Google any version of that, you're going to find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, my very active blog. Uh, and I also have a podcast called Let's Talk Soon. It's where my brother and I chat about the things that we are reading about, writing about, thinking about, and speaking up about. Uh, this book is for you. It's available everywhere that books are sold. It is uh, my fifth book. And I've got four before that that tell the story of many of the things that we've talked about today. So there's about a million words out there. And I just keep writing more of them with the Holy Spirit and showing up, just showing up. So I'm so glad that you are. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. This has been a joy. I'm sorry that it comes to an end, but I feel like when we get to heaven, maybe we can live next door to each other. Oh, that would be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And I will have links to all of the uh, resources that you mentioned in the show notes to make it easier for listeners to find you. But thank you so much for spending time with me today, Tricia. It was a joy, Michelle. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this conversation with Trisha, I've got a couple others I would recommend for you. Check out episode 81, The Agony of Anger, Relinquishing Revenge, and Giving the Fight to God with Rosie Rivera. Also have a listen to episode 64, Get More from Reading Your Bible, Even When You're Short on Time, with Brittany Ann. As we wrap up today's episode, I do want to point out a couple of resources available in the show notes. The first is our private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Going through the issues and things that we're dealing with as single moms in community is so valuable. And so if you'd like to join the Facebook group, all you have to do is search for Agape Moms on Facebook at Agape Moms, and then click on the groups tab there and submit a request to join the group. Likewise, if you would like to follow along with Agape Moms on Instagram, you can search for us at Agape Moms. Additionally, I now have a weekly video guided scripture meditation available for every episode of the podcast. And if you subscribe to the Agape Moms YouTube channel, you will receive notifications when those videos become available. And it's just a great way to start off your day with some encouragement from God's word and apply some of the things that we're learning here on the podcast. 
I also want to thank you for your subscriptions, your rankings, your reviews. It's so encouraging to me to see what God is doing in your life and to see him on the move, but it also helps other women to be drawn in to just what God has for them here as well. And as you move through the rest of your day or your evening, I just pray that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.